sister. I don't. I don't. But you didn't drink that beer fast enough. Yeah, well. So your pop top's going to go to waste. Don't pop my top. It's tradition. There need to be two. Well, there you go. There you go. <sighs> COVID. A thing of the past. <laughs> Something we don't have to worry about mm. anymore. Mm. <laughs> Till the next wave. Till the next wave. Oh, my fucking God. You know what we should get? Bazookas. Cheesecake. <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm going to do the next time I go to the store. Make us a cheesecake. I'm down. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on flour so I can make chicken parm. Went over there today for beer. No beer. <laughs> it's a sad day. I found beer eventually because, you know, I'm determined. <laughs> when it comes down to the important things, you'll never catch me slipping. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. Third little of the fucking podcast, yeah. Mm. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the soon-to-be Mrs. Bloom, the hyper-stressed-out about everything that's going on right now, but still providing the work, Kristen motherfucking Pennington. That is a silver lining. If they open back up the state, we can finally make it official. <laughs> the second that we can do that. Be like, I know that everybody's going to be dead the, in the second wave, so can we just go ahead? But and... if you die first, I'll own everything that you used to own. So. Exactly. There you go. I don't I own a lot. You'll, you'll, if, I, if I die first, you get my shit. You'll get a library and a couple of guns. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get a bunch of equipment you don't know how to use if I die. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, Silver lining. Same thing with my guns. <laughs> True story. <laughs> You're going to be like, where's the click, click, then go poo, poo. Poo, poo. Poo, poo. And I'll, I'll spend pew. a year and a half before realizing I have to take the lens cap off your camera. So we're in the same <laughs> we're in the same boat if one of us gets killed by this fucking thing. Um, I hope you guys out there, I hope you're all safe. I hope everything's doing, you know, as well as it could possibly be going. You know, be okay with walking away from that job if you don't feel comfortable. Um, you'll figure it out. You're not going to spontaneously combust, as I used to tell Kristen when we were talking about moving to Montana. Any decision you make right now, you're not going to be dead tomorrow. You know, you, it, you commit to the thing that you want to commit to. So. There's always tomorrow, though. Just because I haven't died today exactly. doesn't mean I can't die tomorrow. But you, the likelihood <laughs> of you spontaneously combusting uh, is very, very low. Don't so, try me. You, no, don't, I, you don't know what I'm capable of. I used to read books about that. They were in the paranormal section of the middle school library, and there were books about spontaneous human combustion. And those pictures are crazy, and those stories are crazy. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, As an adult, I've never followed up, so in my head, that's still a real thing. But it was mostly people smoking cigarettes when they left their gas on their stove, and somehow them inhaling the gas and then lighting a cigarette torched them to death. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we're here to bring you another edition of the two, 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 Tuesday, bitches. And we're here to talk about DeadCon, 2019's DeadCon. What a movie. We're on a row lately. I know you guys didn't get to hear The Vault because that's the it's the lost episode. Lost to the Bringing a Triangle episode. But uh, Man, we were on a row with bad ones. Like yeah. we, we did so good with like some decent ones for a minute there, and now we're just right as we like switched our format to being more positive. It's like, are you 
is this intentional? Are the mm-hmm. Netflix people listening to us and being like, everything that, <laughs> yeah, everything on the Montana horror page, make it the worst thing it's that's also ever been. leaning more towards warmer weather, and I feel like scary movies kind of tend to suck when the weather's nice, because yeah. people are like, I just want to be happy. It's very rare you get a good release in that summer chunk. The summer films are mostly two-star Tuesday, uh, and this is no exception. Deadcon, IMDb score, 2.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 50% on the critic. What? 9% on the audience. Accurate. Where do you sit? Because I'm, I'm leaning towards Rotten Tomatoes' audience on that 9%. <laughs> I'm not going to lie I'd to you. I give it a 12. You give it a 12? Yeah. I, I disagree. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, because I disagree with you, I'm taking a point away from mine. 8%. <laughs> <laughs> give it a 12. It had a couple of little neat things. It just... It, it sucks so bad I'm not Ugh. convinced I have a complete character list for this episode. Because <laughs> I don't know who was who. I don't know what anybody was doing. There were two different... But we'll get to it. It'll I worked happen. all day, so I didn't bother to check. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 2.8, 50 and 9. Uh, the production company here was Gunpowder and Sky. Kristen mentioned something about that one, right? No, not um, that one. There was a... Little, I, I'm assuming they weren't the main production company. There was a little logo that flickered at the beginning. It's yeah. called Alter, I think. They weren't even on the thing, so they must have bought the script from those guys. Mm. Would be that? my guess. Yeah, no. Brett and I were talking about um, kind of growth as like independent filmmakers and writers mm. and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like skimming YouTube one day while he was at work, which we may have talked about that on the last podcast. I think we did. Um, where I was just kind of skimming other people's work on YouTube to be yeah. kind of like, hey, like, how are these people doing? Where did they start at? How much did they improve it over how much time, you know? And I found a company called, I think it's Alter, if I'm remembering right, um, that over the past year has been cranking out some short films that are yeah. in the horror genre. And, uh, yeah, we turned this movie on and that logo flickered across the screen. And I was like, what the fuck? There it is. <laughs> so if they can make a Netflix movie that sucks, I can make a Netflix movie that sucks. Well, that's forever our mantra here at the Two Star <laughs> Tuesday. If they could do it, so can we. Technically, we're punching up. Sometimes I feel bad when we trash some of these things, but I'm like, we don't have a Netflix thing. So I can just talk about them. To be fair, uh... A, a different production company, obviously, as you just said, produced this movie. The YouTube channel for uh, Alter or whatever it's called has a ton of followers. So yeah. I haven't really checked out any of their films, but they look like they're doing good. So they're running this similar sort of production as we're trying to run. You know, something small where you're cranking out a lot of movies and you know just kind of playing around with it. So yeah, no, for sure. So not not hating on you guys in particular. I was pretty stoked. Yeah, when I, I saw doubt your name it's Alter's fault. <laughs> pretty stoked when I saw your name on the screen. Uh, The budget for this film was $100,000. So they did a damn good job on a hundred grand. And we have no idea what the gross is. It was, um, I I guess I've only got one piece of trivia, so I'll just drop it now. Uh, It premiered at the Cinepocalypse of 2019. Yeah, so it probably won an award there and then went straight to Netflix. So we don't really have like a gross as we would with like a theatrical release. That's a fun festival name, Cinepocalypse. I looked into it and they recently canceled uh, or quote postponed, but in all likelihood canceled their 2020 competition. But yeah, the Cinepocalypse is out there. You can currently put in for their um, festival as of this recording. Uh, which was a week ago. So you guys do the math. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> Coronavirus. Um, 
But you can still put in for the Cinepocalypse 2020. They just don't know when the festival's going to be yet. Nice. Yep. Uh, yeah, pre- that. 2019, when this was uh, in the festival, uh, was one of the Annabelle follow-ups. Not the original Annabelle movie, but I would guess the 2019 Annabelle something. Creation, I think, maybe. I, it wasn't creation, but was it was what? one of those kind of offshoot mm-hmm. Annabelle films. was also at the Cinepocalypse with oh. this one. Um, they had, is it Danzing? Is that the musician or the director? He was there as their opening person. So this is, you know, a legitimate um, film festival as far as I've been able to tell on my minuscule amount of research. But that's where they premiered, so we don't have a gross for these guys, I guess is what I'm saying. Brett Bloom providing you with the least amount of facts possible. Uh, You know, (laughs) semi-facts, you know. I'm not here to do deep dives. I'm basically just doing, you know, internet research for, you know, three hours, and then I give you guys what I learned in my little three hours, and (laughs) you could have found all this information by yourself, but that would have taken you three hours, so go fuck yourself. Uh, The writer for this film was Scotty Landes, who wrote um, 2019's Ma, which I've not seen, but the trailer looked crazy fucking interesting. I remember it being kind of a big movie. And then uh, Karen W-A-E-C-H-T-E-R was the director. (laughs) And uh, I didn't see anything on that person. So I don't know if that's male Karen, female Karen, C-A-R-Y-N. You're not leaving me a lot of clues. So the characters that I have written down, which are not all the characters, because I don't know who these fucking people are, but I think I got most of them. Your main character is Ashley. Well, your main character for the first half of the film, but we'll get into it. She's played by Lauren Elizabeth, and that is the only name I'm going to be able to pronounce on this entire list of characters. Oh, no. uh, then you've got Megan, who's the best friend and the protagonist for the second half of the film. And that is Claudia Sulewski, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. I think they were actually best friends. I think they were just fellow influencers that kind of knew each other oh i thought they were friends she's she's the brunette girl right yeah yeah i think they were just kind of they knew each other oh okay and then you've got dave he's the black guy he's played by keith makekanyanga so close m-a-c-h-e-k-a-n-y-a-n-g-a no idea (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, Keith. You were nailing this. Uh, then you've got Kara. She's the redheaded chick. Uh, she's played by Mimi Giannopoulos. I think I got right. Uh, you've got Ricky. Who's the dude? Like the white dude. The dude that Megan's also dating? I think so. <laughs> Might be the boyfriend. I have no idea. But he's played by Lucas Gage. Oh, there you go. There's yep, one I, you can I, I got that one. It's Lucas with a K, so he was trying to be edgy like Makagagagagana. And then you've got uh, Warren. He's the cool old black guy who mm. works down. He's like the concierge. And uh, he's played by Carl, Carl Gilliard. So, you want to dive into the plot, my love? Uh, is there a plot? Uh, it was debatable if I was just too hammered to follow the film or if there was nothing going on here. So, so the film starts with what I'm assuming is a program designer, um, mm-hmm. creates this program that he thinks is going to change the world and then he gets the plug pulled on him and the program turns out to be sentient and definitely at least kills him. Yeah. Program is Link Rabbit. Yeah. I don't really know if he killed other people because we just jumped to the future yeah. and never quite explained that. We don't and even know if that guy died. I'm assuming he did. 
There's a um, lot of assuming. Yeah. <laughs> but we jump to the future, and for some reason, his rinky-dink room that he was staying in at the beginning of the film was apparently in a luxury hotel where they throw conventions. Okay. Uh, so Stephen these... King used to write in a hotel. A lot of writers do it to get away from but their family was... for a weekend. Yeah. yeah. But the room he was in at the beginning looked kind of rinky-dink, and like the yeah. hotel there... It definitely there... looked like, you know apartment yeah looked, yeah, yeah definitely looked like an entirely different building but anyway, <laughs> that aside we jump forward in time and we're at some giant hotel where they house some giant convention for people famous on the internet for god knows what yeah um influencers so, yeah, if you will so there's a, a convention where all these social media influencers hang out and children run around knocking on doors and then weird ghost boy in the closet uh who <laughs> I guess, has something to do with Link Rabbit. Bobby, the yeah. balloon. Uh, starts attacking <laughs> people that come specifically into his hotel room. Yeah. Which is, ooh, what was the number? It was something A. All the yeah. other rooms had a regular number, and this was a number and then A. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, I don't really know really what happened. Me either. It's kind of <laughs> like, is it 1403, that Stephen King um, hotel story where they, they move him into the haunted room? It's kind of like that, except bad. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> real bad. <clears throat> but we'll get to the bads. But for right now, Kristen Pennington. My synopsis sucks to you. Watch the movie and you'll get why my synopsis sucks. Yeah, at some point, um, Ashley is possessed by the Bloom Child slash internet program. And then she becomes the antagonist. And then on the side, Megan's fucking two different guys. And that becomes the whole plot for the second half of the film. And yep. I, we'll get to it. But the goods. What are the goods? Um, so the original, like, setup for the movie, whenever he's trying to launch his program, if I'm remembering right, was in the 80s. I feel yeah. like they showed the year. I don't remember exactly what year, but it was 80-something. And um, when we jump forward into the future, there's a lot of cool little moments where mostly when it's like the ghost is around or whatever, yeah. the scene suddenly takes a very 80s vibe, whether it's the background music or the lighting or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of, I don't know if it was intentional. That's interesting. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if it was intentional or if I was just really reading into it because there were like little tiny moments that reminded me of, which you haven't seen it, but Stranger Things is a movie that's mm -hmm. set, I think, in the 80s, if I remember right. And like it's a very heavy like vibe of the time period that it is set and it's really cool like all the yeah. clothes the music the way the movie or the tv show is done and everything like you can totally tell like it feels mm -hmm. like you're reminiscing on your childhood or whatever and like there was just this neat subtle effect whenever the ghost was around that i noticed a couple of times where the music was a little more like retro and like yeah. the lighting felt a little more like retro so i was like oh that's kind of Maybe I was just reading into it, but it I don't know. That was interesting. It was I, did, neat. I didn't catch on to that. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like super overt. It was kind of subtle, but I was like, oh, this suddenly feels very 80s. <laughs> like the clothing, not like the characters didn't seem like they were like, you know, in the 80s, but yeah. just the vibe in the scene felt kind of like we're jumping into the past right now. And I was like, ooh. 
Ooh, I'm for it. <laughs> kind of clinging to that because of, you know, the 80s scenes being shot more like the 80s. Um, I, I got to do the thing I do every time that I have trouble saying a nice thing about the film itself, which is I really enjoy the concept of the film. I think that this is the perfect environment for a pre-coronavirus uh, America, you know, where it's all obsessed with how many people can I get to put a heart react on my butt. That <laughs> you get this very selfish setting. It's not just a group of teenagers who are obsessed with their phones. It's like a legitimate, uh, I think they call it ViewCon in the movie. But yeah. They have these uh, social media influencer uh, type shows. And it, it, it dives into the heart of that, makes fun of that quite a bit. But in, I've not seen, you know, something exactly like that just yet, where it's a direct reflection of our, our youth culture. Yeah, and speaking of that, I, I really appreciated the fact that the actress that played Ashley is, you know, a naturally very pretty girl. So, yeah. I mean, let's be fair. They cast a very attractive girl to play that main role. But... Um, for the most part, compared to the other influencers at the con, she seemed, like, very simplified. Like, she didn't yeah. have a ton of makeup on. She dressed a little more plain and, like... When she was off the camera, you mean? Well, no, even yeah. on camera. Like, she had, like, minimal makeup. Like, maybe mascara and foundation mm-hmm. on. And then you see the other fl- influencers have, like, bright lipstick. And, like, yeah. that one girl constantly had weird decorative makeup mm-hmm. under her eyes. Like, they were all way more flashy. And then off camera, you would see Ashley's character like immediately, as soon as people were out of her face, be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I hate this. This is miserable. Shoulders come together. Like, yeah. Just defeated. Like just immediately, yeah. like, I just want some privacy. I want to be my myself. I want to decompress. And then you see all these other people that are just like eating it up. So I liked kind of the visual contrast there where you have like these people that are like really in love with the culture yeah. and like really flashy. And then this girl that like visually looks a little more it's like defeated. And yeah. yeah, she's like, oh, fuck, I don't want to keep doing this. So <laughs> like that was kind of neat too, just visually to like literally represent her discontent with mm-hmm. the environment. And that's a strength, I guess, from an actorial standard is just having that same character, but two different poses for on camera, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, respectable and I'm, confident and then off camera she's just another human being you know more defeated than even the people that are there to see her that's an interesting you know actor lesson if you wanted to pull a good away from that yeah is learning how to play the same person in two different i I don't i'm not an actor i don't care (laughs) you know visually shift that mood with your body it's like, like in the Joker, and I was like, I'm not comparing this performance no. to that performance by any means. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we both liked, I think, the comments that were scrolling on oh, the yeah. side I'm of totally the the live streams these guys did that were filled with like actual comments that one would see on a live stream. Boobs. Yeah, boobs. The only live stream I think I've ever watched was uh, right when the lockdown kicked in. Uh, and we all had to miss St. Patty's Day. Dropkick Murphy did a live concert, and I was constantly taking pictures of the comments as they were flying by. And you do wind up with the wide assortment, like deep thought, you know, happy thought, 
you know, pokes fun at the chick. You know, I'm deeply in love with you. You know, like yeah. the like, whole. Yeah, my babies. Are you okay? I'm really worried about you. <laughs> yeah, the whole range of emotions that a fan might have for one of these influencer type people. They did a good job at including that. I've seen it on. I think it's like hashtag horror or something like that. It was a another movie. Uh, about teenagers that are obsessed but there's a murder cabin situation and uh, they scroll the comments as they're texting each other that and it was in the Scream TV show as well that that we've seen that but this is the first time in like a movie I think of yeah which that's kind of a neat effect whenever they do it text wise I guess because you kind of feel like you're like spying on the screen at the same time but I liked with this is that yeah like you get this weird mix of like what the person's life is like because you get the people that actually care and are genuine and yeah. then the people that like um you know only care about your looks or the people that are just trolling you so it's just this nice little display of like how weirdly mixed their lives mm-hmm. are i also liked that uh in this movie because we um made fun of what movie was it it was one of our recent two stars where they were doing um video footage and it was really cheesy it was the one where they were all in that haunted house together i know which one you're talking about but yeah it's gone i think it was the last one we did honestly like demonic or something yes yes it was demonic so in demonic the video footage you could clearly tell had like a special effect layered on it Mm -hmm. and i liked that um when they were live streaming in this one like those little scrolling comments aside the footage actually kind of looked like it was from like a handheld camera so i'm curious what they shot that footage on because it actually legit looked like the quality of the footage had shifted to like a little handheld home camera. Yeah, that or a cell phone or something. Yeah, so convincing like whenever they were vlogging footage that looked like it was coming off of a different camera. So that was kind of neat that they like stayed true to that feeling. Mm -hmm. They gave you like the real world narrative perspective and then that more, you know, intimate, you know, pull the character back into themselves type Mm -hmm. thing. Is there a term that you know for that, or is that just a thing that we know and we haven't learned the term for? Term for? Like when you switch the cameras to like use that for like perspective. You know, how you've got the narrative camera that you're recording on, which I don't hmm. know, you know, what you would call that, versus shooting to that um, like head cam mm-hmm. for as above, so below, for That's example. probably a term for it I wouldn't know offhand, but. This is your Newton moment. <laughs> How many people got hit in the head with an apple before Newton was like, fuck it, we're calling it gravity. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to me every Sunday. I get hit in the head with this fucking apple. Call it gravity. You think that do you think that one other dude who like realized that water displacement was a thing? You think he was the first fat fuck to get in a bathtub? No. He was just the first fat fuck who was so pissed off that nobody had a name for that. He was like, it's buoyancy. Mm. And I'm buoyant as fuck. Not as buoyant as my feelings right now. They're super high energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring the energy up in the room. Um, let me see. I keep writing down goods while we're talking, though, so there's that. I keep remembering things. I'm like, oh, I actually kind of liked well, that. Well, this is the new and improved uh, Two Star Tuesday episodes. Um, my next good is uh, Warren, played by... Carl Gilliard. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and the other, I, I just loved that character. I was like, he, he's been in a lot of things. I wanted to write them all down, but he's basically played that role of like 
cool outside black guy, you know, like he's concierge. Yeah, he's just like a passive character in a lot of these films, but you'd know a shitload of them if you went down as IMDb. Same actor, so yeah, I'm not. I was like, he's like a mix of Samuel Jackson and Forrest Whitaker. Cool, like he's in that vein. I was gonna say, I know it's not the same actor, so don't at me as like being racist (laughs) because I'm trying to say everybody looks the same. I'm comparing the role. It's like the dude in Final Destination that runs the morgue that suddenly pops up to give you the serious advice, and then he's not in the rest of the movie. Back off into the back. (laughs) But I like that Warren and all the rest of the hotel staff knew that that room was haunted, and Warren was the only one with enough foresight where. Like, no, motherfucker, when I said never put anybody in there, I meant never put anybody well, in I there. Well, I got the impression that the hotel manager was like, you acted like a dick, so I'm going to put you in this room so shit yeah. happens to you. Like, I well, got the... Kind of like The Vault, which you guys are never going to be able to hear our breakdown and confusion over what role um, Franco. fucking Franco <laughs> played as far as... Oh, I'm nervy twisting my wedding ring and it fell off my finger. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know if he was like, fuck that girl in particular for throwing a fit, so put her in the haunted room. That was the vibe I got. <laughs> I was like, dude, he is cold. But when that um, the hotel staff comes up to like change the light bulbs out, and he's just standing in the doorway, and he's like, there's oh, your light bulb. You're still in one of my goods. He's like, I'm going to change this one right next to the door. Good luck. You're <laughs> still in one of my goods. That was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, yeah, she calls... Uh, the front desk because her lights have gone out and like the camera is almost like it looks like somebody's standing on a really tall stool kind of looking down and all you see is just this arm reaching through the doorway you don't see like the person at all and it's very um fuck what did i compare it to i don't remember but it's just hilarious. Dr. Seuss, cat yeah. yeah, Yeah, it was very Dr. Seuss. Like, this arm just suddenly, like, sticks in, and it's very comical, and it's, like, a actually really funny little scene. Yeah. And, Go uh, fuck yourself. I'm not coming in there. Yeah, and she's like, well, I can't reach him. Can't you change him? He literally only changes the one right next to the door, and then he's like, you're on your own. <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny scene, like, yeah. even the perspective. It's like, I, I smoke weed with Carl Gilliard. Um after yeah, every shift, so no, fuck you. I ain't going in that room. <laughs> Carl's my dude. Even the perspective it's shot at, I felt like kind of like lent to the comedy a bit because the camera was like, like I said, like up higher looking yeah. down, and it just seemed very. And that whole scene, the framed. way they're talking to each other, you know, mm-hmm. he just seems rushed and anxious. Yeah. But speaking of, and I think we can agree on this one, uh, the best shot in the entire fucking movie is a door closes. Did that not land on your goods? No. When the camera's at the bottom, and then you see the oh, the no. door closed. No, that didn't op- make it on no, your goods. No, he opens the door. It's the... Whatever it is, but it's the bottom yeah, shot. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, I need to shoot something that way. Exactly. Like, that. T- it was tight in. It was almost like it was directly underneath the doorknob. And it happens fast, yeah, so like you might miss it. The dude is like going into the room. Yeah, to... is it that same scene? Uh, no, because, uh, the guy that brought the light bulb up was just one of the, like, bellhop type dudes. It was a different actor. He was white, you racist. (laughs) That means I literally couldn't see color. Um, it's the opposite. I forgot if it was the black dude or the white dude. the black dude looks like every white dude, you racist? Well, you assume that black people's jobs are delivering light bulbs, so that's on you. No, I didn't. I said the white dude brought the light bulb. No. But anyway... Uh, that shot, it's so tight in, and it's right underneath the door, and it's so fucking hazy, and you were like, that's what we needed in Happy Birthday. We spent, like, what was it, three hours trying to shoot Not that doorknob? It felt like that's three fucking hours. It was maybe 
15 minutes. 15 minutes, 30 takes. Trying to close a bathroom door. It became the obsession for the afternoon. Uh, we, we rolled at it with a skateboard. We did all different kinds of shit trying to make that happen. And all we needed to do was put the camera underneath the door. And it, it was like a mind-blowing shot. I haven't seen anything like, like that in a minute. I feel like it's more effective on theirs because it's the concierge going into the room. So you see him like putting the key into the little like card slot thing and then him opening the door. Yeah. So there's this tense and you can kind of see his hand shaking a bit like... I don't want to go in. The store seems <laughs> larger than life. So that was a really cool shot. Definitely probably the best shot thing in the whole movie. God damn right. But they made a really good um, use of that hallway as well. Why are you still on my goods? Well, okay. Well, then it's, would you like to introduce the hallway discussion? Still on my goods. God. <laughs> there were only um, so many goods. <laughs> so, no, I kind of liked the hotel portion of the location at least like the convention was just kind of looked like a convention center Mm -hmm. but the hotel portion was super neat like especially that hallway where all their rooms were at like again very like 80s looking wallpaper and 80s looking like lamps hanging on the wall and like just the contrast of the lighting being so um orange and then i think the wallpaper was like a green tone just mm-hmm. looked really cool so every time you, you were, get a mix of that warmth and cold yeah and then and depending there's a, on how you shot it like it, it that mood forever changed yeah know? and then there's a, a window at the very end of the hallway that has curtains on it that's letting in like just the right amount of light so every time they come into the hallway i'm like it's the fucking shining <laughs> it's like shit's going down in this hall it's definitely an homage to the shining yeah, it was a cool cool little hallway that those rooms were in but it's a thing that we've learned you know quite a bit about since starting these homework assignments is we especially during the fucking coronavirus we have this one apartment we can't go shoot on location like we you know at least had the ability to before can't walk up on some rancher's house in montana and be like hey can we use your you know, yard out back for, you know, <laughs> it's quiet out here. We just need a field shot. You have a field. Like, we can't just waltz up on people or, you know, get a local business to open up and let us shoot, you know, on their patio or whatever. Um, so we've had to figure out how to constantly rework our one-bedroom apartment to make now multiple films. You know, the shots that you're going to see in the untitled thing that we're working on right now that'll be out at the end of the month or the first week of the following month due to scheduling concerns um and the scenes you shot in happy birthday it's going to be two completely different moods but it's shot in the same 15 feet you know yeah so they 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 manipulate this hallway to where it's constantly being approached with different you know, lighting and different angles and different action inside of it to where you don't get bored of that hallway. Yeah, and there's a lot of... Making good use of a $100,000 budget. Yeah, and there's a lot of... I mean, we go back to the hallway a lot. There's a lot of cool shots where you just see, like, one of the adults going into the hall and the hallway seems, like, very sinister and creepy and very, like, Shining-esque. And then there's this repeated sequence where every night, which is going to come up again later in my bed, this little ragtag group of children like to run around the hall knocking on everybody's door and like it seems very like child yeah it seems very like childlike and whimsical when they're doing it you know like these kids just running up and down this hall just having fun knocking on these doors so the hall like seems way less creepy during that section so it's kind of neat that they like completely shift the vibe in that hall throughout the movie because we do spend a lot of time in that hallway (laughs) (laughs) but 
pretty cool little, I don't know where that hotel's at, pretty cool little hallway. I'm a big fan. Um, What'd you on, got? On the uh, neat location vibe, I don't know that it was used as effectively as it could have been in this movie, but I do appreciate the connected hotel rooms because Brett and I had yeah. a whole conversation about that. I hate Hate, 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 loathe entirely. That's how you know you're in a hotel that was born at least in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> hate when I rent a hotel room, not that it's happened that often. I think it's happened maybe once to me. And you find out it's an adjoined room and you didn't plan for that. Yeah. And there's someone else staying in that adjoined room. And yeah, those doors lock. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want someone to have that much access no. to my room. You can smell people fucking in the adjoined room. Okay. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that the creepy, sinister room is attached to another room. Because then you have this weird back it's and forth. specifically that room. And now there's two established doors that never open for that room. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have this like neat little back and forth of depending on which room you're in, it kind of changes the vibe. So if you're, you know, in the room that's not the possessed room or whatever, like there's all this sinister shit happening just on the other side of yeah. your door. And then if you're in the other room, it's like safety is just on the other side of this door, but I can't get there. So a very claustrophobic type of setting. Yeah. And like whatever is waiting for you is just one single door away from you. So I, I appreciate the mood that that potentially sets. I think it could have been a little more effectively used, but you know, well, what would have been interesting is if she started screaming and the person in the next room tried to get that door open and then released it to the hotel. Well, that's how but. they, um, introduce the two characters to each other. Like formally in the movie is like the one girl's hanging out in her room and she hears like a banging in Ashley's room while Ashley's taking a bath. And so she gets up, goes out the main door and walks over to Ashley's like front door to her hotel. And she's like, Hey, what's going on in there? I can hear everything you're doing. Yeah. So that it's a neat little, like, cause she does hear something weird going down, but it's not like, ah, you know, <laughs> I've got two more. Where yet? I've got three more. Fuck, well, then lead us off. Um, I guess we, 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 we're almost 35 minutes in, <laughs> and we're still covering goods on the oh, thing. Actually, I've got four more. Um, I guess, technically, two of them connect to each other, and the other two do, too, so I'll <laughs> kind of link them together. There were a couple of cool little effects. Um, the eyes visually rolling back into the head were That's on my list. <laughs> twice they overplayed it. Um, but there were two times it was yeah. really cool. It looked um, authentic. Like, it didn't look like makeup or yeah. CGI. It looked like death. You yeah, know? so that was really cool. They they, When you have a neat effect, you can't really overplay it. So that's my, like, yeah. advice there is, like, save it for the moment that it's going to, like, really pack the punch. They did it, like, If you're going to have Jaws bite the ship in half, he can only bite one ship in half. Yeah, so <laughs> they, they did it, like, three or four times, and there were two times that it happened. The very first time with the first guy that dies, and the first time it happens to Ashley. Like, both times it was like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then every other time it was like, ah, we saw it already. Come on. Next um, gimmick. I don't yeah. need bloody handprints. But. Yeah, and then while we're on the topic of effects, there was a cool effect that Brett almost completely missed. Uh, the maid is cleaning the hotel room, and she, like, you see the door on the right side of her, or I guess it's screen left, it's technically her right, but screen left, you see the door to the hotel room, like, acting like it's going to shut. Yeah. And then... Uh, she's flinging blankets over her left shoulder, and it lands on the silhouette of a little boy. 
And God Brett almost damn. missed it. I, we had to go back and watch it, but we also had to go back and watch another scene, which is in my bed. <laughs> but neat little screen misdirection there, because you're looking, <laughs> you're looking to the left for like shit going on near the door, and then it's like, oh fuck, but he's over there. Yeah, and it's so it happens so naturally. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to miss because they're playing with the left hand, and then it's like they're hitting you with the right, but it's almost too subtle, you know. We had to go back and watch it, but when it hits, it creates that conversation. So, like, we can at least say that about the film on a good note. Yeah. Because there were a lot of times in this where we paused, and maybe it was because so much of it was shit, and they had so many, like, brilliant moments, like little tiny gems that were thrown in amongst this massive pile of shit. But when the gems happened, they were, like, conversation starter-level gems. You know, Mm -hmm. the adjoined room, the baby, you know, silhouetted, the what we're going to get to later, the bloody kid butts. Like, like, like they were, you know. When this film hit, it hit like a motherfucker. And yeah, I was hammered the whole time we were watching it, and I'm feeling a little buzzy right now. <laughs> um, I'm down to one good, because you stole one of mine. Where are you? I've got two that are technically connected. Go for it. Um, well, mine's kind of a bigger one. Because I think mine's going to lead us into the okay. bads. Sure. So, so <laughs> I think um, you're going to heavily disagree with mine. This is a good and a what the fuck and a bad all in one. Um, Bobby as whatever the evil entity is is yeah. I'm assuming represented as the little boy in this movie. I'm running on the assumption that the creator lured the kid for the program to kill and Bobby was the first like what Ashley became. I don't know, maybe it's possible. Um that's my overarching only way I can hold this plot yeah. together. So but they never established that. So wh- who, whatever is happening with whoever is technically the evil force in this movie is incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were both kind of like, I don't really get what's going on here. But at the same time, I appreciate the visual aspect that every time there's an evil spirit of some kind represented, it's in this young child yeah. that we see. So the boy is always the bait. So like he's always the thing that you see kind of luring people along and then... And the background, a couple of times throughout the movie, you see, like, the lower half of an adult man or the silhouette of an adult man walking by. And, like, I think, especially considering, and I'm, I'm not trying to, like, be weird or be like, this should be a pedophile movie. Like, there is a subtle symbolism in this movie that yeah. children are the target. Like, even when Ashley's hunting for people, like, she keeps going for the children. And, like, when the kids are knocking on the door, like, we almost lure in the child. So there is this... Very clear, like... Yeah. Um, metaphor. Yeah, metaphor that the children are the target. We see children's hands, like, bloody mm-hmm. on the wall. We see this weird flash of dead children's bodies in the closet. So, like, I kind of-ish got this vibe that the adult male figure that we kind of see in the background is the predator that's luring yeah, all these children. like the old AOL chat room to yeah. catch a predator, you know, jerking off in his basement trying to talk to 15-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. and so, like... I think if I was going to rework this script and kind of be like, let's develop this and make this a little more sincerely creepy. Like the idea that whether he's currently alive or the spirit of this dude that used to do the shit or however you want to handle it. Like the idea that there is this adult male who is actually the evil driving force. Yeah. But this 
child that was one of his victims is the bait that he uses to keep luring in more victims is kind of compelling. Well, because it works in both pedophilia and it works as a metaphor for social media. Yeah. It's almost the same thing. Get them while they're young. They'll spread it like a virus. Yeah. And so you keep seeing this representation of what the movie kind of implies is the young boy is like this evil entity, but really it's the man in the background pulling the strings and the boy's just his puppet. Yeah. So... Like I wish they you rewrite this one. <laughs> I'm rewriting the fall. <laughs> so I wish they had played with it a bit more because, like, there was like in the actual viewing of the movie, I was like, well, "What the fuck is happening?" I'm very confused. Mm-hmm. I don't really get who's the bad guy and why any of this is happening. But there was this very subtle, like, in the background, I was like, I could see where we could play with this. Like, there's this adult predator who has killed this young boy, and this young boy is his bait to get more victims yeah. or whatever. So, like, they're much in the way that a pedophile would rape a child, and then the chances of that child growing up to be a pedophile fucking rise astronomically. Yeah, and, yeah. like, you, you hear stories with, like, you know, kids that are victims and stuff. Like, they'll... Uh, like Hurt people, fr- hurt people, well, yeah. yeah. that too, but, like, they'll, like, have friends over or whatever, or, like, use their kids to, like, bait other people. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole... Um, vanished in plain sight or whatever it was that we watched. Like, it was a family man who had children, and he used his children as a way to connect with the other family's children yeah. to still the girl that he really wanted. So there's this like weird play of like this innocent child also at the same time kind of being this sinister element because it's the bait to get what the predator wants. Mm-hmm. So should have been fleshed out a bit more. I think it could have been a more real world compelling traumatic story. And I, 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 I hate to sidetrack, um, But I legitimately think that through watching these two stars and figuring out how we might, you know, punch up the script, you know, if we're looking at the film and we're like, if we had a second shot here. Yeah. Like, what would I do? I think the lesson that we're learning is lean into the trauma. The concept of the monster comes out of the reality of the trauma. And those two cannot be separated, you know. The reason why Nightmare on Elm Street works is because it's a metaphor for post-traumatic stress disorder on three different levels. (laughs) These kids were raped. They grow up. They lure each other into being raped. (laughs) They spend a lifetime fighting. I almost called him Edward Scissorhands. Freddy (laughs) Krueger, you know. What you got? So maybe that's like the... The big takeaway on this one is it, it, it hits so close, but it got too close to its direct metaphor. Because my last good and your first bad, Kristen Pennington. Okay. Out of love of you admitting. Oh, no. No. Disagree already. You don't even have to I've say I've lost it. the title of the film. Stitches. Out of you admitting that this is worse than Stitches. I said that kill was worse than Stitches. Motherfucking bunny balloon death. It is literally, death by balloon is the first bad. It is literally the first. Death by bunny balloon is my last good. Death by balloon is my first bad. So Fucking. Rolling right into it. Helium balloon. So bad. Wraps around the throat. I believe decapitates the body. It it definitely gets some blood. That was where we, like, we rewound this and watched this, like, three times. Because that's where I got heated about this. I had, like, a whole rant (laughs) while we were watching this. So that's the thing that bothered me. 
right. So we're officially in the beds. Yeah. I, I liked oh, Death by Bunny Bloom just because at that point no. I needed something. <laughs> no. Okay, so this is what pissed me off about this. Um, if you're going to make that a death, it's stupid, period. It's, like, it, it's stitches falling into the dishwasher knife up twice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the... I mean, and they did like a balloon-esque thing. They like inflated the dude's head with helium until mm-hmm. his head exploded. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's a stupid death. So if you're going to do... Not in this one. In stitches they did that. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. In oh, okay, stitches cool. they did a balloon-esque death thing. <laughs> So, if you're going to do such a ridiculous death, you have to go all in. Like, if you're going to bother with it, like, do it for real. So go then, all out. And yeah. it, don't just do it once. That's where Stitches got it right. This is the world we're living in in horror. The clown slips in his own blood, stabs himself through the eye on yeah. two separate occasions. Yeah, they, but they also do the helium balloon pump. This... the. This is the only dude who dies via balloon death. Yeah, the, the final death in this movie is literally just her jumping on the dude's back. Anyway, anyway, okay, so what pissed me off about this, like I had a whole tangent, but I was drunk at the time, so that was probably funny. No, I'm going to hit you with another tangent with my first bad, which is my least favorite Let kill. Let me finish. Okay, go ahead. Um, so what bothers me about this is, so you can immediately tell we're switching to really cheesy CGI. It goes to a close-up, and you see this weird, silly, mm-hmm. like, string, like, wiggling its way across the screen. Like it's uh, a sperm. Yeah, it looks so <laughs> stupid. And then the string wraps around his neck, and we have a moment where he's, like, trying to claw at it, and I think there's, like, blood coming out of his neck and blood yeah. coming out of his fingers where the string is so tight, and he's like, you know? And, like, you think he's gonna get decapitated. Like, that's probably the move here. If you're gonna have this ridiculous scene, that's the move. Just pop that head. Yeah, the head pops off and there's just blood gushing everywhere and the body falls over backwards. What happens instead is the actor aggressively jerks his neck to the side (laughs) to make it look like the string snapped his neck and then he falls (laughs) over dead. And it is the dumbest fucking thing. It's like, that's not... No, if you tighten a string... Tight enough, his neck isn't snapping, his neck is popping off. And it's so it Lean me into off. it. If yeah. it's razor wire balloon string, fucking take that take head, head with off. you and yeah. goodbye, bitch. Like it was so irritating because it was like this is stupid already, and then just all of a sudden he goes crack and then falls over. It's like what the fuck? Like no. go all in or don't do it at all. where they went all in is my first bet. I can't remember who gets it, but somebody dies via choking to death on a cell phone, and then the cell phone starts ringing in their throat, and you just get the outline of an iPhone 9. Do they show her actually <laughs> dying, or do they just show They just the show her, I think, like, eating Later. the phone and then laying on the ground, and then the oh. phone lights up through her entire throat. And I was like, it's her publicist or manager or whoever it is. It's the redheaded chick. I didn't. Okay, so that I guess that's Cara, good to know. The redheaded chick, yeah. played by Mimi Giannopoulos. No, so I totally deep throat at a cell phone. I totally <laughs> saw the scene where he finds her under the bed, and he's like, "It's going to be okay." And then the phone starts ringing, and it's in her throat. I completely missed where she ate the phone. So I was like, "That's very confusing." Like, why is the phone in her throat? Like, I don't remember that at How all. How did we get here? What is going? I don't on? remember seeing that. I thought they just like. I think that they showed it like being forced in, yeah. and then she just fell to the floor. I have to and revisit was, that. Well, you were so wound up after I'm balloon so death. Mad. That, I'm <laughs> so mad. At what's that? your next one, love? Um, that's probably my most ridiculous one. Uh, Is balloon death? 
Yeah. Um, so let's vlog about it when our room gets broken into instead of calling the cops. Yeah, or the for sure. Security or anyone of any kind. Like, oh my God, guys, someone broke in my room. Let's video <laughs> chat about it. And uh, if he's still in here, then oh well. Just fuck my security. It's not like John Lennon got shot on the streets of New York City. Yeah, no. <laughs> she leaves the door to her hotel room wide open and just flops down on the bed. They ate all my chocolate. <laughs> like, I would have definitely been like, what the fuck, guys? Send the cops hey i've called 911 you should all call 911 until somebody shows up here yeah and then she just hears like noise in the room and she's like oh oh my god is someone in here what is that did i plant this <sighs> yeah i uh not a smart character not a smart character at all um I, we need a lot more in the background of Bobby and Link Rabbit. So much more. So much more. What happened to the creator? Did he live? Did he sacrifice a child for the machine? What? Why? Why is there blood? What is Link Rabbit? What happened to that? Yeah, like, is Bobby a program? Is Bobby a person? He's making blood come out of the wall. What happened to Bobby that it gives him the powers to let Ugh, the blood the come out of the blood wall? Blood coming out of the wall is on my bads. It looks so stupid. <laughs> cheesy graphics. No, no, we're in the bad, my Cheesy love. graphics. Like, I don't fucking... If you can't do a good job on it, don't fucking do it. Like, <laughs> it would have looked better without any graphics of any kind. You could have just lit some moody, emo, gothic lighting, yeah. and I would have been chill. Like, just leave I it don't alone. need blood dripping backwards up the walls that you can clearly tell is a filter it overlaid yeah, on top of the It does not match screen. the whole mood of the film. It doesn't even look like it's on the wall. It's, it's not technological. The blood is a biological fucking weapon. Like, <laughs> you save that. Make the technology do crazy shit. But every time they overlay that filter, it literally just like a, looks like a filter put on top of the scene. It doesn't look like the blood is on the walls. It looks like it's on my TV screen dripping upwards. Yes. Yeah. And it looks so stupid. Like, it doesn't <clears throat> even look like blood. It's like, what are you? Back out of here, Stanley Kubrick, with your elevator full of blood. <laughs> but seriously, though, what is Link Rabbit? Who the fuck is Bobby? What the hell is happening in this movie? <laughs> what is going on? Why did they completely abandon Ashley halfway through the film to take on Megan's, you know, marital relations? Problems. Yeah, and then Ashley becomes the antagonist, and... Am I mad at the boyfriends? Like, she gets filmed having sex. It's like, okay, cool, but your friend is literally being possessed by a demon. So can we, you know? Yeah. They, they build... There's no arc. That's the problem, is there's an arc to A and B, and there's an arc to B and C, but A and C never meet. Yeah, and like... It's like, in the last 15... They never fix the conflict at any point. Yeah, and, and like, okay, so there's no backstory really established, so we don't have, like, an introduction to really what's going on. Um, it takes, I think, an hour before anybody dies. Yeah. And it's like they wasted so much energy. And it's only, to... like, an hour 20 long. So, you, yeah. like, your 20-minute C is all I have for murder. And yeah. it's balloon death and cell phone deep throat. Yeah, and it's like they, they wasted so much time for some reason, like, trying to establish that they're living these lavish lives. Like, we go to this rave party scene at least two or three times yeah. in the movie, and I don't understand why there's a rave party at a convention for children. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. These are sense. not adults. These yeah. are not people 21 and up doing ecstasy at a rave. This well, is all happening in a hotel convention center. Yeah, and like... 
I mean, they don't show the children that are there at the convention to meet these people at the rave, but it's like, that's basically your fan base. So is that really the image you're putting out? Like, we're here meeting kids during the day and then raving all night long. <laughs> like, they, they wasted so... Just doing so... ecstasy and then talking to your five-year-old. Yeah, they wasted so much time, like, establishing this weird problem with, like, Megan fucking two guys at the same time and the fact that we all like to party it up all night long that by the time we get to the first death at the... Like, yeah. our mark, basically. I'm assuming if you need five million people to congratulate you on the shape of your ass to feel any sort of validation, I'm assuming you're fucking at least 500 people at any given moment. But the, <laughs> but the fact that they waste so much time and energy on this chunk of the movie that the, I guess, quote-unquote action happens basically in the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. You can tell... They hit that point in the movie and they were like, fuck, we got to do something. So they <laughs> literally, where they nailed it, doing the like vlog footage, making it look like vlog footage during the movie, the last 20 minutes of the movie looks like they were like, fuck it, we're shooting the Blair Witch, here's a handheld <laughs> run. Like, be scared. We like literally go into some paranormal Blair Witch activity ass shit and like... Dudes just run around the hotel room like, I'll protect you, Megan. I'm going to barricade the door. Yeah. And then, oh my God, the barricade's gone. What happened gone. to the security and guard slash porn star dude that ran in at one point? He's like, I don't worry. I've got it under control. Yeah. Like, what are you? A fucking paranormal investigator? Yeah. The and then the barricade unbarricades itself in the night while he's asleep. And she gets dragged by her ankles out of the room. And then he's like all Blair Witch running around there. Where'd you go? <laughs> and like the footage looks so shitty. So shitty. Like it literally looks like they went from filming on a red camera to like here's my little like camera i had when i was a teenager run and go do things like it looks so stupid you know how stupid it looked Kristen pennington my final bad where you at i've got one left okay cool i'm gonna do this one i'm gonna give you closing notes um the footage was so terrible for uh probably 20 minutes of this film it's bad for 20 minutes, no, outside of real time, 20 minutes of the film, we scrolled back maybe 15 times. That's where my 20 minute estimate comes out of. So that Kristen can show me bloody children's butts. Mm. We had to do it over and over. And I was like, Kristen, I'm not comfortable looking at kids' asses. And she goes, no, there's blood. And I was like, I don't, I don't think there's blood. I keep looking at their brains leaking out on the... And she's like, no, there's blood. So I had to get close to the TV. And this movie Pause made it. me look at kids' ass for forever. For, no. for longer okay. than the climax of the film. <laughs> Because the footage was so fucking terrible. The lighting was so bad. It was so goddamn dark. I didn't know why we had five kids. We were pretty sure they were all raped to death. Well, that was, that was, that was where I was kind of like, whoa, are we going that hard? Like, there's a neat-ish moment where... They, I wish there was blood on their assholes, which oh. is a weird thing to say about kids. That's weird. Uh, there's like this neat-ish moment where you get this brief flash of like five children's dead bodies face down mm -hmm. in a closet just all lined up together and they went so hard on the color theory yeah. the entire scene is just red it's like, blown out straight up blown red. out like a bastard the shadows look like blood yeah and, and yeah. it's like it's not lit the greatest so like the shadow in between the children's legs like going up towards the butt area looked a little like they were bleeding from their butts, and I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Like we're literally diving into the paradigm that you wanted the film to be, where it's like it should be a double metaphor for the social media age and pedophilia. And the move is 
bloody children's butts. I don't, I don't know that that would have been the move. But there I'm was kinda, no bloody children's I'm kind of glad I was wrong. Butts. No, no, you should want to be right. There's a reason why people don't watch the Serbian film more than one time. It's the perfect fucked up movie <laughs> because a dad sodomizes his baby to death at the end. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. No, I hate to not. ruin that movie for you, but if you can't wrap your head around that fact, you were going to make it 20 minutes into that film. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I, like I'm, I'm not bothered that I was wrong that they weren't. Hi, Max. Um, they weren't bloody children's butts, but it was yeah, it was just so poorly lit. I was like, did you just see that? Did I imagine that? <laughs> were they bleeding from their butts? And like, yeah, because it flashes for like all of a second. I made Brett rewatch it like a five bunch. times. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there like, I don't want to look at kids' asses. I don't want to figure out when the appropriate time is to pause on kids' butts. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of kids, though. Okay, my, so my, the the final bad. My final bad is not, not the most impressive bad, but my final ranty bad as... Uh, much more mature adult than the parents in this movie is who the fuck (laughs) lets their children run around like a bunch of hooligans at a giant ass convention my parents unsupervised no these were like my parents these were like nine years I mean that one Kristen girl that kept disappearing in this movie was like six when I was 14 we got sent to Knoxville on a um, a freshman year of high school I think I was 14 but I was on the drill team for the ROTC, you know, the little flippy flap with the rifles mm-hmm. and shit like that. And uh, we had a smoker's room, and there were like six of us in that room, so we could open the window. And we very quickly found out that we could throw like eggs at moving vehicles from like six stories oh, that's up. That's why. You need to be supervised. Yeah, so like I I, I get it. Some hotels, you know. No, but that that sequence where they kept showing the children running around, being assholes, knocking on the doors, like being obnoxious. A, where's the security? If that's your celebrity hallway where yeah. all your stars are at, like why isn't there a why security is there not guard? A, on why is a chair there, outside the door? Why isn't there a special key that you have to swipe to get to that floor at all? Like whenever I worked at the hospital, like. If you didn't have a key card to get to certain floors, that elevator was not taking you to certain You're floors. You're not getting there. Yeah, yeah, so, like, why is that you not a thing? can't just hop on the elevator at Vandy and accidentally wind up in the morgue. No. And there's, like, <laughs> this obnoxious little group of children where the oldest one is probably 12, keeps running through this fucking hotel room every night. It's like, where the fuck are your parents, you assholes? <laughs> like, go to bed. That's the most old lady shit you've ever yeah. said on this podcast. Yeah. You're scolding fake children. Yeah. Well, don't act like an asshole. Don't act like an asshole. <laughs> What's your big takeaway, my love? Don't act like an asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, fucking spend, <laughs> spend a minute with your story. Like, I don't know what the script looked like on this before they went to film it, but if I, it looked... The same as what they actually shot and stuff wasn't dramatically cut at the last minute because they just couldn't yeah. afford to shoot it. Like, I would have Stop looked at fucking that. your co-workers. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't it's know. It's like, no, Cindy, it's a great short film. You know, well, no, I don't not. know if maybe, you know, if it was that low budget of a movie, maybe they just had to cut shit because they couldn't afford to film more or whatever. But, like, if the script looked anything like what this movie actually turned out to be, like, spend some time with your babies. Like, if you've got a project that you think is legitimately 
good enough to send to a festival or try to get on Netflix or, you know, released in theaters or whatever, like, you should let that idea, like, simmer for a minute. Breathe with it. Yeah. No, that's why I think that it got sold. Because if the screenwriter is Scotty Landes, who did Ma, you know, and that was like an award-winning film that neither of us have seen, I, I have to think that a lot of it got cut out. A lot of it was just getting the rights to shoot at that hotel during like an actual convention and then using extras. Like, I have to think that the original vision had something behind it. Yeah. If the dude who wrote this this same year like did a film that I believe did phenomenally well, you know? It'd be like if Scotty just did the first draft and sold that draft, or if the production company that you mentioned earlier, Alter, mm-hmm. if they were the ones who came up with it and Scotty just like quickly expanded the story into yeah, the movie, quickly was like, Yeah, here's how I take your 15 minutes, turn it into an hour 20, and then the studio produced it, you know. We can't tell what went wrong here. There's a lot of potential for it, and the potential was failed. So I'm sticking to my 8%. But bastards, I might kick you down to a 6. Mm-hmm. I think, too, there's something to be said there for studios. If uh, I get if you're investing your money into a project, you don't want to come out in the red. Like, you want whatever it is that you're making to be profitable. Otherwise, what's the point in investing in it? But I, I think a lot of production companies only see dollar signs. So when they start spending too much money, they're like, we're not going to recover from this. You know, like, we're not going to get our money back yeah. from this movie. And I, I think if instead of seeing the dollar signs on every project, we saw the value in each project, yeah. If you're film is taking a little longer to film or needing a little more extra TLC than you were hoping for initially that kind of sucks and you know it sucks to have to dump more money into a project than you Especially originally thought. Especially if there's a scrub <laughs> on the left but, hand side of your best friends. Right? <laughs> but if you have a project that you believed in enough to invest in if you can afford to spend you know a couple extra thousand or 10 extra days on production or whatever to polish it up into something a little bit better it's insane to me that you wouldn't because if i was the director like or the editor like sitting sitting (laughs) sitting in the editing bay like looking at that as my final work i would have been like what the fuck did we do let's can this yeah all fucking like i would rather never release it at all and eat the entire loss (laughs) then put that out. So, like, it makes more sense to me to be, like, instead of cutting corners because you're trying to save money, be like, what do we need to focus on so that this doesn't tank when we're done with it? Yeah. What are we doing here? Are we making a film and publishing this for the sake of making and publishing this, or do we need to run this one back? And I'm sorry, you know. You throw your... I can't remember the name that directors put out when it's not worth a shit and they don't want to be connected. <coughs> but first move is you go back to that dude and you're like, hey, I know I just blew $100,000. Good news. 75000 good footage. 
we can shoot around this. Like, there's there had to have been a way. Yeah. Early in to make this work. Yeah. So. I don't know, my love, but I'm going to go make hamburgers because I'm buzzed. So, by the time we eat, I'm probably going to be... Hamburgered? Hamburgered. <laughs> and we're going to go back to watching um, Waco because it's so much better. Does it feel good? <laughs> so much better than Deadcom. Uh, and we've been watching Too Hot to Handle just because it makes us giggle. So, <laughs> if you're looking for two I things, hate you for it, though. I hate the show. But I it, hate, hate reality TV shows. I, I cannot stand it because I've worked somehow on somehow talked me into this I've nonsense. worked on reality TV and I'm just... It, it, it's comically American. <laughs> it does prove, though, the value in developing your characters, though, because the last episode of Too Hot to Handle that we watched, it was like, oh, he got his little heart broken. Yeah, no, you always feel an emotional connection, and you're like, I hate these shows. Oh, I do hate those shows. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, oh, but his heart. Nobody loves him. He doesn't him. have one. He's an actor. Yeah. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Remember when NSYNC was dead, Con? I wish they were still dying. That's a bit aggressive. Love you. Love you. <laughs>